Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed Local Provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor, security sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC. Welcome to Money Empty, where the money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner and an investment advisor with 19 years experience providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I have an MBA in finance. Also am uh, Dave Ramsey preferred local provider and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 20 years. We're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly radio show. We are right here every Saturday like today from 9 to 10 a.m. You can also go to our website, moneymd.net, and we have a link in the top right-hand corner, Steve. You can obviously uh, link to us uh, via the, the Internet, computer, wherever you're hanging out. Also, 1230 a.m. is another place you can listen to us if you're driving around doing some some Saturday morning chores, you know, Home Depots, Lowe's, you know, things like that. Yeah, that's a great way to listen. My favorite way to listen, though, is to download the TuneIn Radio app and listen on your smartphone. Mm-hmm. And if you get the upgrade version of that, you can even program it to record it. And sure. That way you can listen anytime you want. Yep, so, anytime during the week. We make yeah, it convenient. Very, very convenient. We'd love to hear your questions, um, so email us at info at moneymd.net, and do check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Um, so anyway, John, I think we have a very interesting show today, as usual. Um, you know, one of my, my one of my favorite topics here we're going to talk about is when being cheap is totally worth it. Yes, and you have a lot of, a lot of a, answers on that. A lot this, of examples you? on that, because I, yeah, I, was, I grew up being very cheap. I like to think of you as frugal, though, because cheap is kind of a negative a little it, bit. It's but true. I just have fun with it. Yeah. But, yeah, I I, ble- I totally frugal. believe frugal is the way to go. Yes. You know, and planning-wise, it, it helps you meet your long-term goals. So, uh, But, yeah, we have some great ideas. This is an article out of Business Insider, and then we have some more uh, lessons from... Uh, Children's movies. Yeah, you know, which, which I just watch all the time. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, we've got... Got four movies uh, that we're going to kind of relate money lessons that you maybe have learned as a kid that you really didn't know you were you were learning. And you'll recognize most of these. And then we've got a bonus uh, movie lesson coming that that it's an all time favorite. It's a classic. I'm sure everybody's heard of it. So you got to stick around for for that discussion. We'll pull some money lessons out um, from yeah. that. And then we're going to end up with an article about identity theft. See, there's a lot of um, guy. Seems like every day in the news, there's somebody getting hacked. Whether Every it's day. Target or you know credit card companies or whatever, so there's some ways that you can protect yourself. We're going to go through some of the pros and the cons associated with that. Yeah, that's a never-ending process, so you got to stay up on that and pay attention. And so we have some latest info to share with you on that. All right, great. Well, that leads us up here though to our financial fact of the week. Yes, Steve. This comes from the Bureau of Economic Research, and you know when you think about recessions, um, they're certainly painful. Typically, the stock market. Uh, is not real happy during the beginning um, pieces, you know, beginning right. se- sessions. Um, but if you look back to 1984, that's uh, over 160 years worth of data. 1854. Right? Uh, 1854. Thank you. Just Good to, on that math yeah, this yeah, morning. Yeah. All right. So there's been 33 recessions during that time frame, over 160 years. So that's an average about once every five years. So if you think about the way the stock market works and just the economy is recessions are really a normal 
part of how um, economies work. Now, they're not fun. No one likes them, but that's how that's how it goes, right? Markets that's right. Go up, markets go down, and historically, uh, that's what it's done. We think it's going to be that way going forward. But um, if you kind of put that into your your mindset, um, you're not caught off guard and surprised it's when it happens. Just a normal process, right? I mean, once every five years or so, roughly, yeah. Um, of course, you know, it can go a long time. It can go ten years without a recession. Mm-hmm. We just went through a horrible recession. They're not usually that bad, right? Right. I mean, they're normally more of a shorter period. Mm-hmm. The recovery is normally a lot faster than when we just went through. So I don't want people to think that that we're going to have what we just had in 2008 every five years. <clears throat> that's that's inconceivable. Well, from a stock market standpoint, it was the worst performance since the Great Depression. That's right. That puts it in perspective a little and bit. A very bad recession as well. I mean, we haven't even gotten out of the stimulus phase of you know starting to raise interest rates yet. That hasn't even happened yet. Right. So anyway, um, that's a great financial fact of the week, though. And that does lead us up to our first topic of the day, and that is when being cheap is totally worth it. Yes. <laughs> you know, there are times when when being frugal, being cheap, really is the way to go, and, uh, and it's a lot of times, in fact. Um, this is an article out of Business Insider. Um, Libby Kane is the author of this here recently. And, you know, where, where frugal implies in a certain a certain cleverness and, you know, an admirable uh, restraint. Cheap is what you'd call the guy who itemizes the group dinner bill. <laughs> yes. You know, I thought it was pretty good. Brings in a roll of pennies. It does. But, I mean, sometimes being cheap is just smart. And so why spend for a brand-name product when you can get the same quality for less? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great point. So to figure out when to and where to cut um, costs, uh, they consulted two people here. Um, one of them is Kristen Cross, who is the frugal girl who has managed to keep her six-person family out of debt and in the green. And then Justin McCurry um, from Root of Good, who became financially independent by the age of 33. Um, through careful savings and planning. So there are nine examples here of when it is totally worth it to be cheap. And some of these, I'll just say, are a little insignificant, I think, in my yeah. you know, in, in my mind. Um, in fact, we, we, we edited these and replaced some of these, you know. But, I mean, it does all add up. So, I mean, the, you know, you got to think big picture. And you got to develop this mindset when you're shopping about how to be frugal. Yeah, you know, absolutely. When, when being cheap. It's, be, it's a mindset. That's a uh, great way to put it. That really is it. So, you know, just think of this as an example. These are, are examples of the mindset you need to have. But the first one here is produce. You know, frozen fruits and vegetables are frequently cheaper than fresh. Um, I don't think that's any surprise. And, but, you know, they say here since they're packed, picked, and preserved at the peak of freshness, they're usually fresher and more nutritious than fresh produce. Um, they say buying frozen corn and broccoli plus, you know, lots of strawberries, raspberries, blueberries, mangoes um, or to use in smoothies. Even frozen mango is really great for making mango salsa. And soft. <laughs> the soft texture has a after the thawing actually makes the salsa better. I wouldn't know about that. Never had that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, how about just shop at Aldi's, um, as we talked about not too long ago, right? Mm -hmm. Buy fresh vegetables in season. I think that's another way of doing it. Just get the fresh vegetables really cheap. Get the ones that are in season. You know, you'll never really convince me that, that frozen is better than fresh. I mean, I do like fresh vegetables. 
um, you know, unless you're buying tomatoes in January. Yeah, right. Right. But, I mean, we've already established before, though, that groceries, you really have to pay attention to those. I mean, you can be 30% cheaper shopping at, like, Aldi's if you compare that to the most expensive grocery stores. You know, Walmart's also one of the cheapest stores. Yeah, so it is. Yeah, we did do, that. Do pay attention to uh, produce and, and groceries. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, that's a good one. Unusual to, that's the first one on the list. Wouldn't have really thought about that. But, you know, I guess it adds up. And that's a, it's a mindset mentality that you right. kind of talked about. And second one here on the list, um, which probably makes um, more sense and, and certainly affects your pocketbook, is prescriptions. Absolutely. When you think about generic versions of medicine, um, really had the same active ingredients typically at half the cost. And, you know, if you can find a four bottle of cough syrup at the, the dollar store, this uh, guy, McCurry, says he's going to buy a couple of bottles, you know. Um, his his point is is that the FDA regulates the production of generic drugs just as it does the brand name. And uh, you can really save a bundle here. Yeah, I used to get use the uh, brand name blood pressure medicine. Um, it was like $300 a quarter. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was painful. And then I went to the generic, and it was only like 100 bucks. I mean, I started saving... $200 a quarter is pretty significant. That's a couple rounds of golf. Yeah, I can guarantee you. <laughs> it's more than that. You know, I mean, medications, they can really put you in the poorhouse. So you need to ask your doctor for the generic, if at all possible. And, of course, the generic can be a little different, you know, in dose and composition. Mm-hmm. So you need to kind of try it out, you know, before you throw away your old prescription. So, that, so we're not pharmacist doctors here, right? No, we're money no, doctors. We're, so. we're a money doctor. We're talking about the money aspect of <laughs> no, this. I'm with so, you. I'm with yeah, you. see your doctor, you know, before you, obviously, before you go to generic, the generic and try it out because i mean there are some differences sometimes you know if you're you know if you're using sure medicines like i i do unfortunately um all right the next on the list here is clothes um i, I you know you can spend an absolute fortune on clothes and not even know the difference between cotton and microfiber mm-hmm. you know it, it, for a lot of people um in most cases it all comes from china or korea um maybe india and and maybe the same factories as the walmart stuff so in my opinion, forget the brand. Just look for the quality and style that you're looking for. You know, most people don't know Kirkland dress shirts from Kenneth Gordon. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, they're just as nice for a third of the price. Never heard of them. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> you know, just just go to Walmart and forget about it, John. Right. No, I mean, look for good quality. That's the point here. Forget about the name brand. Most people don't even know name brands. You know, also make sure that your clothes are, you're buying those after season on clearance. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you are getting a 50% discount on name brand clothes, then you're paying way too much for them. Yeah, and I would say for, for kids, you know, shopping at Goodwill, um, like for teenagers, I mean, they, you know, you buy them clothes and the next season they've they've doubled in size. Exactly. So go to Goodwill, buy them a, a, a sports coat for the wedding that you have to go to for five bucks. Nothing I mean, wrong with that. My kids love going to Goodwill. Yeah, I mean, it's, they buy clothes all the time there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, so. just, it's, it's just, it's just, Cheap and great way to save money. It really is, really, and it allows you to buy things that you may only wear a few times, you know, because you're getting it so cheap. That's right. So, I mean, it's a great place to shop. All right, well, that leads up to our break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706 739 You're listening to Money MD with John and Steve. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD 
D, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Margaret, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey preferred local provider. And we are continuing our discussion here before the break about being when being cheap is totally worth it. Yeah. John, I mean, there's sometimes when, you know, cheap is a good thing. Absolutely. Saves on the budget. You can take that money and put it towards your other priorities. Whether in, it's... in fact, I would say that should be your default Yes, is to be cheap. It's a mindset. Right. It needs to be your mindset. Unless proven otherwise, you need to buy the cheap item. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you need to have a good justification for going and buying the name brand or the, you know, the highest quality something. And it needs to be a financial justification, mm-hmm. right, that somehow that's going to save you money in the long run. I mean, everybody can justify it and say, oh, I deserve this or this will do a better job or something. But, you know, we got a bunch of examples here. And we just covered, um, we talked about uh, groceries. You know, you're shopping at Aldi's or Walmart. It's a little less convenient sometimes, but you can save a bundle mm-hmm. on groceries. And we, we've covered that before. It's like 30% compared to shopping at the the most popular higher expensive store that I won't, you know, I won't degrade here on the air. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and then prescriptions. I mean, that's another one. I mean, your prescriptions are can be a lot cheaper if you just get the generic. It yeah. takes some effort, you know, do the mail order thing, the 90-day mail order thing, but shop around. Yeah, you, you know? definitely have to coordinate with your pharmacist or doctor on that. But, I mean, most of the time, you know, it's the same ingredients and it's half the cost. So That's right. That's great, right. Great way to be cheap. And if you go to a good pharmacist, a lot of times they'll point you towards sure. the generic. That's you right. Know? I've had that happen at, you know, I'll say family pharmacy. Mm-hmm. They did a great job mm-hmm. with that for me on one of my prescriptions. Mr. Mr. J. Watts over yes, there? Yes, sir. Yeah. He did. He did. Um, so, you know, that, and then, so the next one on the list here we talked about was clothes as well. I mean, clothes are, you can, you can spend a bundle on clothes. You have to, to shop for clothes, you know, and forget about the name brand. Just go for quality, go for what fits well and what looks good, um, for you. And then, um, and then the next one on the list here is water. Mm. Believe it or not, I mean, tap water is about as cheap as it gets. Yeah, I don't think it costs anything. Doesn't does it? cost anything. Just run to the tap That's here, cheap. right? It's very cheap, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can even get a filter if you need to, you know, on your tap water if you really think it doesn't taste well, or there, or there's some reason for that. Um, but you get the same quality as bottled water brands most of the time. Um, in fact, I mean, most bottled water brands are just purified tap water. They're just mm-hmm. filtered tap water. Um, he might not even need a filter. I mean, tap water is regulated by the FD, uh, EPA, you know, similar to how the FDA regulates bottled water. So unless you have a private well, I mean, there's no no mention, you know, of bottled water that has been, but it's been proven to be 2,000 times or something as expensive as yeah. tap water. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, this is a small item, but I mean, if you're, if you're buying, uh, uh, Evian or Desante, Desane, I don't even know the names here. I mean, then it's symptomatic of a bigger mindset problem. You know, in what, my opinion, you know, what Evian is spelled backwards. I was just going to say that. What is it? Naive. That's right. <laughs> if you're buying Evian, you're willingly a naive person <laughs> to think that's better order. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't know if you knew that one or not. But yeah, I've, I've heard I, Dave Ramsey talk about Evian before. Just getting ready to say that. That's a good one. Yeah, number five here on the list is tools. Um, obviously, this is one near and dear to your heart. Yes. Um, for most, yes, it is. you know, uh, infrequent users of tools, going cheap really makes sense. Um, you know, the end goal is to fix something. 
something yourself. So if you can buy a $2 screwdriver set that gets the job done um, versus a, a $20 set, why would you pay more? Um, that said, you know, he does recommend, and I think we agree with this, is going for quality when you do get tools um, when you're more advanced. If you're going to be using it multiple times, sure. power tools with batteries might be an exception, but, um, you know, maybe choosing a mid, mid-range mid type type deal. My father-in-law right. um, usually buys top-of-the-line tools, lives on a farm, has to fix stuff all the time himself. So he, he gets the quality, and that probably makes sense in most cases, but for the average Joe, Nah, just get something that's cheap. Yeah, for certain tools. You know, if it's ones that you use all the time, it might make sense. If you're the type of guy that's using them every single weekend or every single day, certainly, you know, if, you're, if it's your profession. But I totally agree here. I mean, if it's something you don't use a lot, then, you know, just just buy the cheap one. It'll get the job done. It'll do the trick. I mean, I can't tell you how many tools that I have in my workshop that I've only used once in, like, 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and cheap will do the trick just fine in those cases. You know, I have, like, a torque wrench, a valve ring compressor, a floor screw gun. Those are things you don't use very often, no. right? So you just get the cheapest one to get the job done, and you get out of there, you know. So that's a good one. Next one here on the list is airfares. Um, you know, flying can cost you two or three times as much if you don't spend the time and the effort to shop around. Mm-hmm. You take a trip from Augusta to L.A., for instance, it can cost around 400 bucks. And that's it, you know, for a round-trip ticket, if you book well in advance, if you shop around all the airports, like from Atlanta, you want to drive a little ways, um, and if you're willing to take the economy class seat with no frills. On the other hand, you buy a last-minute ticket, you get inflexible, and that $400 ticket is now $1,100. Mm-hmm. And I looked this up, so I know these numbers are correct. Um, in fact, I mean, you buy a first-class ticket, and it would be $2,000 wow. for that same ticket. So it can be eight times more, you know, or five times more if you're if, if you're not willing to to shop around and, and take a little inconvenience. Yeah, and also if you look at, um, like you said, from here, you know, flying from Atlanta or Columbia, but if you fly into Philadelphia, maybe you can go to Trenton, New Jersey, or some other surrounding right. airport, flying into Cincinnati is extremely expensive. It and is. So if you go up to, um, you know, a different airport in the, in the region, you can cut your cost in half. Yeah, so you just have to be willing to do the effort, you know, and drive a little ways and just find a way. You can save a lot. If you do much flying at all, you can save a bundle. Next on the list here is cell phone plans. Um, you know, this person, this author here says, you know, their husband and them, they have, they've saved so much money on contract um, phones. Uh, they can their combined bills only twenty one dollars a month. Wow, which is unbelievable. Yeah. With Ting Wireless, you know, it's so cheap that we love it. They say, um, you know, and they have iPhones, so I mean, that's crazy. I guess if you if you're in a big city, you have a lot more choices with cell mm-hmm. phone plans, and you can save some money there. It's Ting Wireless, the ones that had the cups up to the ear and the string between them. <laughs> that must be why it's so cheap. I Never heard of it. It's crazy. Yeah, I'm gonna go check them out though. Yeah. Um, number eight here on the list is um, buying things in bulk. Um, you know I like hot foods, right? So we buy yeah. jalapenos in these gigantic jars. I mean, Great and it lasts us like a year. It and should. They don't go bad. It would last me forever. Yeah, and so I would never know, eat them. <laughs> that's right. You know, if you can if you can buy things in in bulk, I mean, you know, Costco and and, and sure. Sam's. That's a great way to go. Um, you know, this example they go through here is um, buying yeast in in bulk versus a name brand packet. 
Um, so, you know, this stuff, you know, works just as well. What we do is we take, we have a smaller jar and we just put the jalapenos into the smaller jar and keep that in our yeah. refrigerator. And then we have a, a refrigerator in the um, garage that we keep the large one in. So yeah, as long as it's something that you truly use a lot of, yeah. right? I mean, sometimes people buy bulk things, they'll never that's use right. all those yep. up. And so you got to watch that. But mm-hmm. that's, that's a great point. And then last one here on the list is wine. Um, now, you know, and they're saying here, you know, to me, the 3 and $4 stuff tastes as good as the $10 stuff. You know, it's worth considering trying the cheaper bottles and see what you think. If you don't like it, man, it was only 3 bucks, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just move on. And I think that's a good point. I mean, yeah, but if you're a drinker, you know, and you spend a for- you can spend a fortune on wine. I mean, the sky is the limit. Unfortunately, the more you drink, the less you care about, you know, throwing your money away. And, and you can't tell the difference either the more you drink. So, <laughs> you know, I know connoisseurs, they can tell the difference in the cheap stuff and the great stuff. But let's face it, only Jesus, you know, served the very best, mm-hmm. you know, at the last in the wedding, right? So if you can't turn water into wine, you might want to stick with the common brands. There you go. That's my advice. All right. Well, um, yeah, so it really, this call comes down to a mindset, okay? I mean, there's lots of ways you can save money. You don't have to buy the most expensive brands. Um, going cheap makes a lot of sense, and that should be your default in most cases. And Again, unless you can justify financially why it makes sense to buy the higher quality. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we're not saying you have to be cheap all the time, but cheap and being cheap makes a lot of sense. Financially, yeah. Well, why don't we do this? Why don't we send out a, a challenge to our listeners to send us their items that they can be cheap on? That they can, you know, we can share that and yeah. Let's do a fifty dollars gift gift certificate gift drawing for that. Whoever comes in, and we'll we'll do a drawing associated with that. With the um, you know. All right, you heard it from Dr. John. Is that fifty bucks? We'll 50, do it. There you go. We'll do so it. Send we'll us in it. your uh, for the best, um, you know, item is way to save money. Yep, best idea. Best idea. We'll, uh, we'll run this for a couple weeks here. Yeah, we'll and, select uh, it and send it in to info at moneymd.net. Um, exactly. Where they can call us, right? Yeah, just email us. Exactly. Okay, that leads up here to our question of the week. Yeah, this question, Steve, is about Social Security. And, you know, we get this uh, very frequently. Ten years away from, from retirement, um, you know, at age 62, should I count on what the Social Security Administration is, is telling me that Maybe. they'll give me? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> Typically that far out, but we'll discount it a little bit, probably, you know, 25% to be on the conservative side. A lot of people are negative on the Social Security system, and it's not a good deal when you look at it in whole. But honestly, it provides a pretty good income for most people. Some some people, it's 50% of their income. So I, I think if you're over 50, you will get it. <clears throat> Unless you're a high income earner, yeah. I think you know if they if they they'll do like Medicare. Eventually, it'll be means, means tested. Yeah, that's right. So if you're a high income earner, yeah, I wouldn't count at all. And but. they're also they're also going to move the dates back at some point. Instead of sixty two, it'll be sixty three or sixty four. Yeah, um, that'll be younger. Your full folks. retirement age. Yeah, that's right. But they are going to make changes to it. But if you're doing a plan like we recommend, discount what they're telling you um, up upwards of twenty five percent. Sometimes 50%, depending on how young you are. That's right. Good advice. All right, that leads up to our break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD with John and Steve. We'll be right back after these messages and GM News. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD with the Money 
doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey preferred wealth provider. And we are going to lead off our second segment here um, with a new topic, and that is, did you learn money lessons from these children's movies? These yeah. are, you know, the lessons from from children's movies. We also have a, a, a fifth movie that's not a kid's movie, but it's, it's a classic. So yeah, I'll I'll say that to the end. I think there are great lessons in a lot of movies. Yeah, I do too. And, uh, you know, and now you can't take the whole movie. There's some really bad lessons in those too, but... Ferreting out the money lessons, I think, is a good thing. Yeah. This is um, by Emily Guy Birkin uh, from a website called money.com. And, you know, Steve, growing up, you know, you probably absorbed uh, a lot of lessons from, from popular culture. And, you know, no matter when you grew up, it's likely that one of the movies you watched as a child helped shape how you think about money without you even realizing it. So kind of got four movies here we're going to look at and then a fifth bonus one. Um, but these are four iconic children's movies from the past 40 years and how they maybe have influenced your, your view of money. And the first one, which I was surprised you said you weren't real familiar with, but for, for some reason I watched it as a kid, watched it with my kids as well. It's called Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory back in 1971. Yeah, well, I know I watched it. It's just I was young. The Oompa you know? Loompas? I don't know that I remember all of it. Yeah, Kathy kind of refreshed my memory on it this morning. She okay. told me a little bit of Oompa, it. Oompa, Oompa, <laughs> doo You don't remember that? That's all I know. A little bit. Little bit. <laughs> okay. I remember the chocolate factory. I thought okay. it looked pretty cool. That's why I like chocolate today, I think. Is that it? It's because of this movie. So, <laughs> you know, here's the story. Charlie um, Bucket lived in extreme poverty. Uh, when he lived with his mother, father, and then both sets of grandparents. And his life changed when he found the golden ticket in the Wonka candy bar. And there was only like five of them worldwide. And you know, it gave him the opportunity to tour the Willy Wonka zany chocolate factory. And so here's the money lesson is your integrity is more valuable than any amount of money. <clears throat> you know, yeah, throughout the movie, Steve, you know, Charlie shows that he values his integrity more than money. And when Willy Wonka refuses to give him the promised lifetime supply of chocolate, Charlie simply gives him, you know, back the, the, the Wonka bar. And um, it surprises, and, and Wonka surprised him by offering him the entire factory because he held to his morals and his standards. So, Clearly, there are some things that are more important than money. And, you know, yeah. as we know, money does not make you happy. No, I mean, definitely not. Having some to pay the bills can re- reduce the stress, but it's not a, it's not a, it doesn't make you happy. Stuff doesn't make you happy. There's other things in, in your life that are more important. Absolutely. Yeah, there were some not so positive lessons in that movie, too, mm-hmm. weren't there? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't remember these, but yeah, I mean, money protects you from the consequences of your actions. Well, that obviously wasn't true for the Clippers uh, owner, was it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not. That was tough. Not. You know, I mean, that was horrible. And uh, uh, they deserve what he got, although I'm not sure about the method. I don't think the ends, the ends justify the means. Yeah. You know, on the other hand, I mean, the story, you know, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory also makes it clear that being insanely wealthy like Willy Wonka means that you can act any way you please without repercussions. In addition to employing the slave labor, you know, Oompa Loopas, Oompa Loopas, yeah, Wonka allows four different children and their parents, 
Yeah, keep that background music. And their parents to be seriously injured in his non-OSHA compliant factory. <laughs> yeah, Kathy had to refresh my memory of what those were. But uh, yeah, falling in a vat of chocolate, chocolate or something, yeah. or something. <laughs> Some of them got blown up with their bubble gum or yeah. something crazy. It was just crazy. Yeah, you. I mean, with money, you can't act. I mean, just because you have money doesn't mean that you're better than anybody else. It I doesn't mean, just, change anything. Yeah, it just so. makes it worse when you get in trouble. That's right. Right. That's right. I mean, so. just look at Lindsay Lohan. You know. Yeah. Because then it gets thrown all over the press yeah. or whoever. Yep, yep, you're right. So Willy Wonka, that's a great classic movie. The second one here is The Princess Bride back in 1987. And, you know, the lovely and poor farm girl Buttercup finds and loses the love of her life, uh, Wesley. It's like and, Princess Buttercup. <clears throat> that's like the, uh, yeah, The Princess Bride. I love that movie. I don't remember that one. You don't? No. Well, I mean, this was, I didn't think it was that, old, that long ago, was 1987 it? is the, the date of it. No, wow. That was one of my favorite classic okay. movies of all time. Well, five years later, um, you know, the prince wants to marry um, and then murder her in order to start a war. And her kidnappers end up working with a, a very much alive Wesley to rescue her from, from that fate. And Inconceivable. Yeah. Right. Inconceivable. <laughs> I don't think that would happen. You don't remember that comment from uh, that, that was one of the, the no, characters. It I was don't. like, inconceivable. That, that was a great. Now, the money lesson, though, is is follow your passion, but get a side job to pay bills. And, and just a, a side story here. I, I you know Both of us do counseling in the community and help folks out. And recently did some uh, conversation counseling for um, a lady who's going through a divorce, and she got a real estate uh, do, uh, license and was talking to her a little bit about that. And unfortunately, she's only sold like one house over the course of a year. And, you know, that may be your passion, but you've got to be able to get some income to pay for your bills. So that's right. You know, the money lesson from this is, you know, follow your passion, but get a side job to pay the bills associated with it. Right. Exactly. And kidnapping is not a reputable business. That's right. right. No. Yeah, that's he, what he was trying to portray. Yeah, there's not a lot of money in revenge, so you know, don't uh <laughs> don't don't do that. So the the next movie here, Steve, is Aladdin, nineteen ninety two. you know, Aladdin is a is a young street urchin in Agrabah and uh he dreams of one day becoming royalty, but particularly after he meets the beautiful princess Jasmine. Um, after finding a magic lamp containing the all-powerful but imprisoned genie, a.k.a. Robin Williams, uh, Aladdin pretends to be a prince um, to uh, to win Jasmine's hand. So there's a money lesson in this as well, right? Yeah, exactly. The money lesson is don't let your money change your relationships. And, uh, yeah, that's that's true at any level, right? Um, money can't drive your relationships. I mean, after Aladdin experiences the life of a rich prince, he has the opportunity to wish for it to be permanent, but instead he wishes for uh, to free the genie mm-hmm. just as he promised. And despite the fact that he'll miss out on marrying the princess, he knows his friendship with the genie is more important than riches. So in the end, um, making the decision that is right for his relationship with the genie means he impresses Jasmine's father and he gets the happy ending anyway. Yeah. Now I love that about stories. At least children's stories always have a happy ending. Most of them do. Most yeah. of them do. You know, so money lesson, don't let money change your relationships um, in the process. And the, the, the fourth one here is, is called a, a movie called up. It's 2009, the most recent one. And, and uh, the story is Carl and Ellie dream of an adventure in faraway Paradise Falls. But sadly, Ellie dies before they're able to, to make their dream a reality. And, and Carl decides to take his entire house and up, you know, up in the, the, the sky yeah. um, on the adventure of a lifetime. So the, the money lesson here is save up for things that you want to do. Um, this is a great lesson. Do some planning 
associated with it. Um, you know, throughout their life together, we see Carl and Ellie uh, diligently saving for the trip to Paradise Falls, um, only to find that they need to break the piggy bank to pay for life happens moments, <clears throat> like huh. an emergency fund, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I never saw that movie. Yeah, I've seen it once or twice. But uh, even though the, the trip money is never used for their adventure, we find out that at the end that Ellie felt her life with Carl was really the greatest adventure she could ever have. So, um, you know, have an emergency fund, do some planning exactly. and, uh, and saving up. And the final one here, Steve, that we kind of added to it, we thought was a classic was Caddyshack. Yeah, it was. It wasn't really a children's before, movie, right? but that was a great movie. Yeah, it wasn't a children's movie. But, of course, um, I love golf <clears throat> movies. Yeah, I mean, the the, the gopher and uh, it was, Bill Murray. It was funny. It was a little crude at points. But, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, him going after the gopher and blowing up the golf course, trying to get these Chevy goaters. Chase, Rodney Dangerfield. So there's a money lesson in there, too. Is there? What is it? you got to have a plan. Right. Yeah, that's right. I mean, right. Bill Murray had that's a plan right. to get that gopher. He did. And, didn't um, work too well. Didn't always work, but he had another plan behind it. So your plan is not always going to work perfectly, right? right. But you got to have some contingencies. Have some emergency funds. You know, do some things different. Don't always do the the, the same thing. If it doesn't work the first time, try a different avenue. Yeah, right. that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, I um, yeah, I have feel kind of like Bill Murray when it comes to moles in my yard. You yeah, know, yeah, I feel like just blowing up my whole yard trying to get them. That's uh, probably not the best solution. No, nah, but it's a, that's about the only way to get them. Yeah, I found even with a cat doesn't get them. You got to have cats, plural. But, but yeah, the best mo- best children's movie though that I ever uh, uh, that I remember was A Bug's Life. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. love that movie. Yeah. Hopper, you know, oh, yeah. quite the inspirational speaker, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> well, and that had a good good theme to it as well. You know, the ants saved up for the wintertime. Yeah, they did. It's kind of like, did. you know, save up and, and plan for retirement. So there's a lot of lessons that you can learn from the kids' movies. And we watched yeah. Bug's Life. Yeah. Oh, I love that ton. one. Yeah. Yeah. Toy Story was another good one. Yeah. yeah. Monsters, Inc. <clears throat> exactly. But, yeah, go to the ant. <clears throat> old sluggard, right? <laughs> That's right. It's the uh, verse. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, that leads us up to our break, but um, if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneynd.net, or you can give us a call during regular business hours at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD with John and Steve. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey preferred local provider. And we are um, starting off our next segment here with the prescription of the week. Yeah, drink more water. Ah, that's a good one. You know, it's hard to go wrong drinking water. Yeah, water's cheap. Right, low calorie. Had a, um, a family go through the uh, Dave Ramsey's uh, Financial Peace University class and went through and did their budget, and they estimated for a family of four, they ate out all the time. They spent close to two thousand dollars a year on drinks, sodas, Mercy. and teas. Oh wow! I know at dinner. I know a family that does that. You yeah, know, you got the drink, which is a dollar seventy nine, two bucks. And then you've got tax and tips. So you're talking about probably. Two dollars and fifty cents, or three dollars a yeah. person. My friend Mike Borders, he drinks a million diet cokes a day. It yeah. seems like he just drinks a lot. So yeah. I mean, yeah, you could really add up. I mean, people have to pay attention to that. Well, and if you drink water before a meal, you can lower 
you know, your yeah. bill because you're not eating as much. And, you know, not to say that water also helps you with weight loss. Yeah, so, it's low sodium. You know, I mean, you know, you medical got, bills. you got all the, I mean, there's some bad stuff. And, yeah, I, I highly recommend that, although I'm guilty, too. I don't drink much water. I, I just... I don't know. I mean, I have certain drinks I drink, and then uh, drinking water now. There's no more time for no more room for water. In the summertime, I'll drink water because I'm more thirsty, so I need more liquid than what I drink in the wintertime. Right, right. But uh, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. I totally agree with that. And the sodas are expensive, and, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm usually soda and coffee. Yeah. All right, that leads up to our next topic here, our last topic, and that is types of identity theft. Um, yeah, I mean, identity theft is rampant, John. I mean, it is just everywhere now. And, you know, there, you can't get enough computer security. You can't be protective enough of your identity. I mean, we got people from countries all over the place oh, outside yeah. the U.S. that are trying to hack your data and steal your identity all the time, yeah. constantly. So yeah. that's a good one. Yeah, this is um, by uh, Denise Richardson. And, um, you know, do you know which type of identity theft protection is worthy of your your money and your trust and you know when institutions or industries grow too big to fail uh, all too often they become too big to trust and sometimes too big to manage your finances or personal and sensitive data and consumer reports money advisor reminds us that uh, things aren't always as they seem so definitely not you know you don't have to buy identity theft protection to protect your identity but you know if you're interested in paying for protective or um, restorative service it's important to fully research your options Make sure you make informed decisions because, you know, sometimes these um, advertising campaigns are slick and, you know, really good at uh, talking but not so good at uh, walking the walk after the fact. So to reduce or minimize the risk of becoming a victim of credit card fraud, uh, identity theft, or cyber-related crimes, there are some basic steps, Steve, that you can take. And so here are a couple of the options. We're going to lead off with uh, fraud alerts. Yeah. Yeah, you can put fraud alerts on your credit report. Um, this is an interesting way because I've never never done this, um, although I do implement the credit freeze part, and we'll, t- we'll talk about it in a minute. But, yeah, there are two types of fraud alerts. There's an initial fraud alert, and then there's an extended alert. The initial fraud alert um, stays on your credit report for at least 90 days. You may ask that the initial fraud alert be placed on your credit report if you suspect that you have been or about to be a victim of identity theft. And an initial alert is appropriate if your wallets have been stolen or if you've been uh, taken in by a a phishing scam Mm -hmm. on the Internet. Um, And with an initial alert, initial fraud alert, potential creditors must use what the law refers to as reasonable policies and procedures to verify your identity before issuing credit in your name. Um, however, the steps uh, potential creditors take to verify your identity may not always alert them to the, the you know, that the applicant is not you. Mm-hmm. Um, when you place an initial fraud alert on your credit report, you're entitled to order one free credit report for each of the three national consumer reporting agencies. And if you ask, um, only the last four digits of your Social Security number will appear on your credit reports. So that that's a good one. I have yeah. one I'm not wasn't aware of. Yeah, the initial uh, so 90 days. The other one that you mentioned, Steve, is an extended fraud alert stays on your credit report for seven years. And you can have an extended alert placed on your credit report if you've been a victim of identity theft and you provide the uh, consumer reporting company with a um, uh, identity theft report. Um, you know, this automated identity theft report, um, you know, has to have a complaint uh, form associated with it and uh, should be sufficient to obtain an extended fraud alert. 
And, you know, Steve, with a, an extended fraud alert, potential creditors must actually contact you or meet with you in person before they issue credit. So it's pretty, pretty, um, pretty good step. And when you place an extended alert on your credit report, you're entitled to two free credit reports within 12 months from each of the uh, three nationwide consumer reporting companies. So, you know, in addition, the consumer reporting companies will remove your name from marketing list for pre-screen credit offers for five years unless you ask them to put your name back on there. So, you know, you've got a 90-day one or a seven-year um, fraud alert. Yeah, I'd rather do the seven-year one. Might as do well. It, do it once, get rid of it right. But uh, you do have to fill out that form and have a reason for it. Uh, yeah, so to place either of these on your credit report, you have to, uh, or to have them removed, um, you'll be required to provide appropriate proof of your identity. That may include your Social Security number, your name, your address, and your other personal information requested by the consumer reporting company. And as mentioned, I mean, depending on the type of fraud alert you place, potential creditors must either contact you or take reasonable steps to verify your identity. And this may cause some delays if you're trying to obtain credit, you know, but to compensate for the possible delays, you may wish to include a cell phone number, um, you know, where you can be reached easily in your alert. Uh, and then remember to keep all your contact information in your alert current. Yeah, right. So, so good but, one. but there's some things that a fraud alert does not do. Um, you know, a fraud alert can uh, keep an identity thief from opening new accounts in your name, but it's not a solution to all types of identity theft. It won't protect you um, if someone's using your existing credit cards or other accounts. It also won't protect you from an identity thief opening new accounts in your name that don't require credit check, telephone, you know, wireless, things like that. So, you know, that's one type of um, thing that you can put on your account. The second one here is a credit freeze. It's different from a, a fraud alert in a number of ways. It can generally stop all access to your credit report, uh, while a, a fraud alert permits creditors to get your report as long as they take steps to uh, you know verify your identity. So credit freeze, next thing in the list, it's a big deal. Yeah, it is a big deal. And actually, I have that on our credit um, mm-hmm. reporting companies, and it is very effective. Um, it can be a little bit inconvenient. Uh, credit freeze is free uh, to identify um uh, theft victims who have have a police report saying that they've been victims of identity theft, or uh, it's also free in South Carolina, by the mm-hmm, way. Mm-hmm. You know, certain states have passed laws saying it had to be free. But for individuals who are not victims of identity theft and are not in those states, the cost is $10 per bureau or $30 for all three bureaus to freeze your credit. Um, and like I said, but it's free in South Carolina and maybe in Georgia, I'm not sure. But the place of freeze on your credit file, you must write to each of the three bureaus. You can do it online, by the way, so you don't really have to write to them. Um, freezing uh, will prevent you from opening new accounts yourself, uh, applying for a job, potentially renting an apartment, buying insurance. So if your credit report needs to be accessed by the creditor, then you know they're going to have to to go through some hoops to do that. And once your cr- file is frozen, if you want to open a new account, uh, refinance, or get a new loan, then you have to thaw your credit. Um, you just find out which agency is reporting they're reporting to, and you can go to that agency online um, using the the code that they give you, yeah, and you can thaw your credit temporarily. Yeah. So this this is a good one. Well, the things that a credit freeze does not do um, it. Um, it can help you. Um, it can help you with identity thieves opening most new accounts in your name. But it's not a, again a solution to all types of uh, identity theft. But it will protect you from an identity from a someone opening uh, or using your existing credit cards or other accounts. So, 
this is a big step. I think it's a good one to do yeah. in today's um, society. But two others on the list here, identity theft protection and restoration services. Yeah, identity theft protection, restoration services. Um, you know, there's recent headlines about data breaches and losses of personal information that have prompted many companies to advertise these products and services to help consumers prevent or to minimize the risk of identity theft. The, the FTC says before you uh, pay for an identity theft prevention product or service, make sure you understand exactly what you're paying for. Many people find that the value and convenience in paying an outside party to help them with exercise their rights and protect uh, and recover their names and dates um, is worth it. Um, but you just need to know what you're getting. I mean, know, knowing and understanding your rights can help you determine whether or not the commercial product or service that you're getting here is um, appropriate for you. Yeah. And the last one here on the list, Steve, is credit monitoring. And, you know, these are heavily advertised. You know, many people have the impression that these this service alone will provide a high level of protection against identity theft. And this is a serious and potentially harmful misconception. I mean, credit monitoring is offered by most banks. Um, sometimes the service only includes looking at one report, which is a problem. So, you know, make sure you understand what you're getting with each one of these. There's really no way to protect 100% against identity theft. But I think if you use a couple of these different strategies together. Right. It may cost a little bit of money to do it, but it's probably going to be worthwhile long term. Yeah, credit monitoring in my mind, it's a little too late. You know, it's like having a home security system that goes off after the thieves have already gotten away. Yes. You know. You have been robbed. And yeah, I mean credit monitoring, it's it's after the fact. So I, I would say a credit freeze I think is great. Mm-hmm. Just check in your credit report once a year. You can do free, right? On freecreditreport.com, I think, or something like that. Yeah, annual um, annual credit report. Annual credit report. <laughs> .com. Yeah, so make sure you do stay up with your credit and take appropriate actions. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, that leads up to this week's edition. The close for Money MD with John and Steve. Tune in next Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. And do check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Email us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. And send us your uh, your 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 ways to save money, right? Your, your ways to be, be cheap. cheap. Yep. Um, we'd love to hear that. And uh, you can call us at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Have a good one. Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed Local Provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor, securities sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA, and SIPC.